from a tech perspective is what we always recommend is do you actually have your house in order in the region that you're strongest in? UK is the, uh, we'll take that as an example. Is your technology at the minute doing everything that you're after? Now you could argue, is it ever going to do everything that you're after? Possibly, possibly not. But does it do some of those basics? Hello, everyone, uh, and welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive here. I hope you're in the summer holiday mood. We're in uh, that little period where Northern Ireland and Scotland are coming towards the end of their summer holidays. England and Wales are just going on uh, on theirs, but everyone is uh, in the midst of the summer, hopefully uh here we'll pe- pick up some better weather than we've had the last few weeks uh, over the next few weeks. Um, delight to welcome you along to this episode of the podcast. For us at the REC, it comes uh, at the end of a long period of really high activity. Um, I draw your attention to uh, our brand new uh, report, Tech Enabled Humanity, on uh, the uh, on the impact that technology is likely to have on the uh, the recruitment and staffing sector over the years to come, but actually, really importantly, how uh, businesses can grasp the opportunities that that poses and uh, and also navigate some of the things that maybe we don't think about the change management, how your tech choices flow from your uh, business strategy choices. Those are all picked up in the report, and we'll be really keen to discuss. Uh, those things with you over the course of the rest of the year as the REC takes its work forward. As we look towards the rest of the year, our uh, data is suggesting that the client base is getting slightly more optimistic about their own business. Uh, Jobs Outlook was published uh, on the 26th of July, and that showed that uh, client businesses were continuing to feel more positive about their own business, even while they were pretty negative about the wider economic outlook. We think that's driven partially by inflation, interest rates, the cost of capital. So uh, as that hopefully comes down over the autumn, we might see that move as well. But it it speaks to something that we heard from some of the international commentators around the week, which is increasingly looks like more of a soft landing economically for uh, the Western economies coming out of this inflation spike. And we can hope to see uh, maybe that this a downturn that we've seen in uh, in recruitment, which has been described, for instance, by the the Randstad uh, CFO this week, is a normalisation post pandemic. Hopefully, that is what we're seeing. We're just seeing a normalisation, and the perm market will recover through uh, later later on in the year. And of course, tent market has continued to be robust. Uh, and many REC members saying to me, things are uh, are uh, not bad, but they are harder than they were last year. And one of the things we're trying to do with everything that we're producing at the REC is help you navigate this new market. A couple of things to point you in the direction of on that. We're talking about uh, tech today on the uh, on the podcast. I've mentioned our new tech report, but also there are changes coming, I think, from this market into how we support our consultants to be uh, effective. Delighted say that in September we're bringing Greg Savage back to the UK to do a set of uh, sessions in six cities around the country focused entirely on how to compete as a recruiter in this market from the point of view of the consultant skill set and the behaviours that you need to run through your team or uh, build yourself. 
that that run for uh, a couple of weeks from the 19th of September available on the website now rec.uk.com uh, forward slash Greg Savage do come and join us it's always a really great session uh, we've also got our regional uh, forum in uh, the east of England on the 13th of September and our national forum uh, in uh, Scotland on the 7th of September and we'll be taking you back to school look at everything that's happening across the market on our talking recruitment webinar on the 6th of September so lots there uh, lots more to come from the REC we're doing some great just starting some really good work to build on our uh, our work talking to con the client side this year uh, on how to buy on value rather than on price to try and support members margin so what's going on as ever do get in touch with me, uh, neil at rec.uk.com with any thoughts, feedback, ideas you have for us. But now let's uh, turn to our uh, discussion for to, uh, for today. I'm delighted to welcome Neil Curry, who's Sales Director at REC uh, Business Partner Target Recruit to the podcast. Neil, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Neil. It's good to uh, good to talk again. I know we, we were together a few months ago at one of the members groups, so Always a pleasure to be uh, having a conversation with you. Uh, well, Northeasterners are always popular at the REC, but they're particularly popular at the moment because we're big fans of Mark Wood and the cricket. Uh, but um, oh, we're going to pick up on some of those tech discussion points. We've obviously yeah. just publ published our um, our work. Um, but I think from our point of view, I'd really, I'm really interested to kind of get a sense from you about the basics companies need to have to build their success if they are looking at um, laying the foundation or growing their business. And I think particularly in this regard, growing their business overseas. Um, mm. what's, what are you seeing in your, uh, in your customer group of, uh, of firms who are doing things sensibly with tech to support their export growth? A lot of the companies that we, we speak with are looking further afield, usually west across to the, to the U S to expand into the regions there. And it's not just the expansion they're looking at It's quite often they're also wanting to open up new different lines of business. So they may be strong in term now they want to do temp or they're doing temp and they want to go into contract. So it's a, it's a combination of them looking at moving overseas, but also opening parts of the business, which perhaps they haven't had a lot of experience at, or, um, haven't dipped their toe into that area of the market, which is, is exciting, but also adds an extra layer of complexity. But like what you say, what's some of the, ba what are some of the basics that people need to consider for, from a tech perspective is what we always recommend is, do you actually have your house in order in the region that you're strongest in, but UK is the, uh, we'll take that as an example, is your technology at the minute doing everything that you're after? Now you could argue, is it ever going to do everything that you're after? Possibly, possibly not, but does it do some of those basics? So you just need to look around. Are you using Excel spreadsheets for any processes? Are people using workarounds? Um, are, is, is manual intervention here, there and everywhere? And it's, it's not allowing you to run an efficient team or organization. Are you able to put people on placements or is 
compliance a, a constant headache for you? If, you know, it's yes to a number of, if not all of the above, then what we recommend is you need to get the basics in place before you then start to replicate those errors into a new region where there's all, there's an awful lot to learn in going into, into new country. So that's a, a good place to start is, is your house in order with what you've got at the minute? If the answer is no, you need to identify where those issues are and, and identify whether or not they can be rectified with technology. Two places to start, have a conversation with you, with your peers, have a conversation with the teams that you, um, that work with you, because we know that there's, you know, a lot, a lot of recruiters move around companies a lot more frequently than they ever have. They're getting exposed to new technology all of the time. They'll be a really good sounding board as to what's working for them and what's not working for them. What's preventing them from delivering for their job. You then also start and need to speak to some of the, you know, the providers in the marketplace. So for example, you know, you, you find that your processes within the CRM aren't fantastic. Speak with like a target recruit with ourselves. We will give impartial advice as to whether we can or can't support you with what you're trying to fix. Then also you'll need to then look for the other technology, which is interacting with in what we experience with the CRM and essentially the CRM sitting at the center of what you do helps you run your organization. What are the technology do you have sitting around it? You know, do you have workforce management? Do you have automation? Do you have telephony? Do you have SMS? Are you wanting to use WhatsApp, LinkedIn, job boards? If you've got those technology areas, which are sitting in silo and you're trying to flow information, but it's manual, you, that just simply doesn't need to happen. So you got to think, okay, can we get that fixed? before that problem just gets bigger and bigger when we go overseas, more often than not, you can. You then need to think, okay, well, how are we going to address that situation when we get overseas? So while well, I was speaking with one, one business this week, they've got a, a an on-premise CRM, which they're looking to fix, um, by going to the cloud, but they branched into the U S a number of years ago, the VPN access into their in-house system on-prem wasn't, wasn't viable. So they invested in another solution, which was on-premise into the U S they've now got the whole concern of two CRMs in a region, which is growing with another piece of technology in their home country, which is just not fit for purpose. So then now having to almost reverse engineer all of that, which they could have fixed before they actually went overseas. So. That's what I would recommend. Look at what you look at, whether you've got your house in order at the minute, is it broken? Identify where those, where those cracks are before you try and replicate and make a, a more of a headache for yourself overseas. So that Neil is just kind of speaks to one of the big themes of the, the work that we published, uh, last month, which is this piece around, um, technology strategy flowing from business strategy. And creating space and time to think about what your stack does, but also set your stack in its institutional and geographical context. So what I mean by institutional context is things like staff adoption, how are staff using things? Is it effective? Is it saving them time? Is it focusing them on the right things? And then by geographical context, it's exactly that point of, you know, is what you 
do in the UK fit for purpose. If you're going into Texas or if you're going into a Poland, uh, so there's a, there, there's something there about, uh, the strategic viewing technology as a strategic tool and a strategic investment choice. And, and as you would with any investment choice, taking the time to, to make sure that you're on solid ground before you invest. Is that, that reasonable as a summation? I'm loving that's very reasonable. Yeah. And it quite often, it just comes down to practical, practical examples that you hear in from your team. So for example, if you're using a telephony system in the UK, can it make calls when you're overseas? If the answer is no, then it's not fit for purpose. If you're branching into a new region, if you're using a CRM system, which doesn't support multi-currency, does it support multi-language? Is it even able to reflect, you know, zip code to postcode? It might sound like a small thing, but it has a big effect on the users and their adoption rate. Does the supplier that you've got, say, within the home country, do they have overseas support in the region that you're looking to branch into? Or can it reflect the requirements of the local legislation in the region that you're moving into? It, it needs to, it needs to, and you might take a pay short-term fix. We'll just put, we'll just put a local provide a software in place and that's kind of just, uh, you know, plaster over a hole, but it, it's, you've got to think like what you say, the business strategy then needs to feed into the technology strategy and you need to think long-term, not just the here and now, because if you look at the here and now, it's going to be a much bigger problem further, further down the line. So yeah, I, I agree that the foundation needs to be there before you then start to get really ambitious with, you know, moving into a new region, you know, you've got tech here. You need to have the right tech over there as well. I ah, see so you're playing my tune there, Neil, in terms of that bit about, you know, what can we do now and how do we get that right? And then also creating space to think about what happens next. You know, one of my favorite quotes is the Bill Gates one about us always tending to, un, uh, to overestimate the amount of change that will take place in the next two years and uh, underestimate the, um, the amount of change that will take, take place in the next 10. And I, that feels to me to be um, absolutely spot on at the moment in terms of, yeah, go back to our report, there's a lot that um, recruitment businesses can do now with the tech that exists, not just in recruitment, but in other sectors as well that we can put to work. But we also know that AI and automation are coming down the track. Um, I'm really interested, what are you seeing so far in terms of kind of, uh, in terms of that, that question of AI and automation, I mean, all of it's built on having a really good data strategy and data uh, and approach to data management, which is essentially where we've started the discussion, but you know, how far along that track are we? Yeah, it's coming up. The, the whole AI conversation is coming up in nearly every engagement that we, we have with customers and, and naturally. So it's, you hear about it not just in your work life, but in your personal life as well. It's, it's been mentioned all the time. Um, it is quite an interesting one is that there's some very exciting things coming very shortly around what AI can do to help companies run their business. What I would, and, and, you know, we're, we're certainly embracing it here at target recruit and we're, we're getting excited about how we can fold that into our solution to make businesses even more successful in the same running their business. But what you've just, you've hit the nail on the head there, Neil, is that if, you know, you need to have a, a, a good, healthy data set is that 
what I would recommend is just, it's kind of similar to like, if you want them to branch overseas, make sure you've got the right tech here, as well as you'll have the right tech there is if you want them to use uh, AI and get the most out of it is, do you actually have your house in order with your data and your processes right now? And, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking those organizations out there. Cause I know that there's, there's a lot of them who, for example, still using manual processes. They still have an Excel spreadsheets. They've still got a business analyst who imports and exports data from one platform to the next. I would say, try and fix those problems, make yourself efficient in those areas before getting really ambitious and taking advantage of AI because you, you'll be putting in new technology and new processes, whereas the foundation in some companies is still, is still quite broken, but on, on the AI front, what we're seeing is that, and I think this is the right way is that from the conversations that we've had, that people want to start with almost a narrow, a narrow user case. They don't want to be okay, let's roll it out to every single department. Let's roll it out to automate every single process. One, I don't think AI is quite there just yet. Two, it would be too much for organizations to adopt, but start small and think, okay, well, can we, for example, get AI to help a recruiter in writing a job description? Okay. It could be something as simple as that, which takes away the manual intervention that you know, some people just don't necessarily have a flair in writing a job description, get technology to do it for you. Think about where, you know, if you've got a new starter, do they need some prompts through their processes about, okay, maybe you should be contacting this person that you haven't heard from, from three days ago, or if you run an interview, here's some prompts based on what we know of that candidate, but what you should be asking in the interview process. So it's, it's, it's making people better at the, the job, which they're undertaking rather than trying to replace them. Yeah, I think that's really a really powerful point. I mean, I have a habit in presentations of asking the audience how many typists they employ in their business and everyone says none, none, but of course, every, what we've done is we've taken the task of typing and, and spread it out amongst all of us. We all type and do it on our phones all of the time. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things about kind of automation workflows, you know, you've rightly put your finger on, you know, get the base technology right, um, and then you can build on, um, there's a real kind of, uh, that gives you the chance to try a few things. Are there things you've seen, um, where companies have tried things with kind of automation and AI, just little experiments that are now working really well for them? We have, we, we were speaking with a healthcare organization a little while ago where they were, they, they took stock of their situation and realized that cash flow wasn't as, it wasn't as healthy as they had experienced. And what they hadn't done is they hadn't reinvigorated their, both their candidate and their client base. They, they were, they were concentrating on the low hanging fruit rather than rather than maintain relationships with all the people that they'd fought very hard to get in the first place, which I think happens in every business. So what they did was they, they put a, an automated campaign together via email with, it was a five to seven step process where it sent out automated emails. It looked at how people were interacting with the email. So if somebody opened it, but didn't respond, it would send them a follow up 
few days later, if they sent an email, but nothing happened to the email, they would go into another cadence. So it was, it wasn't complex, but it was well thought through. And they, by doing so, they were able to place 500 additional nurses into placements than that they hadn't experienced prior to doing that automated email campaign. So it was a person who intervented and said, look, we need to reinvigorate our base. It was a person who put together the content, but it was technology, which did the heavy lifting, which then resulted in cash flow into the organization. So that, that's just one example of how, uh, uh, a healthcare organization managed to get more bums on seats and were able to build more for up in the cash flow. That makes lots of sense. Now there are lots of risks here, of course, in terms of companies making big investments and, and also there are various things about, you know, if you ask chat GPT to do, do something, I see open AI and being ha, have inevitably got their first, uh, law, uh, lawsuit brought against them in the, in the U S over how chat GPT is handling data. Um, there, you know, when you're on this kind of leading edge, bleeding edge, there are risks. Um, in terms of how, um, how recruitment firms can ma manage, mitigate risk, the kind of risks they're seeing in this space, are there trends in your client base that you'd pull out that are, are, are worth our time? Yeah. So, I mean, on the, on the AI piece, like I said before, I would start small. I wouldn't be ambitious, but actually with the, with the, I was going to say a physical rollout, but with the digital rollout of, of anything you trial in AI wise, just start small and understand whether it's, whether it works for you and what you can learn from it. I think right now where we are, it's, it's changing by, it's changing by the month in regards to what people are going to be able to do. So keep it, start small with what you want to do. Keep yourself abreast with everything that is, is happening in the marketplace and also start and form some conversations with the, the relevant suppliers out in the market, because they'll be keeping their, that year close to the ground to understand what's working, what's not, and how they want to fold in all of this new technology into their own offering target recruits exactly the same, uh, in, in regards to, to risk for, for automation, one thing that is kind of separate to AI, but one thing that we see regularly now is because there's so much squeeze in the marketplace. You mentioned at the beginning there about, you know, the spike in inflation, how it's affected the perm market, but we anticipate that to be settling down. It's naturally put a squeeze on certain areas of, of a lot of businesses and they want to maximize efficiencies. They want to be able to make themselves more, more profitable by the other example, which I gave was reinvigorating their different lines of business that they've got. So around the risk area, one big thing, which is re regularly coming up is compliance. So especially for those people, you know, who work in healthcare, who work in education, who work where they've got to be putting people into roles where compliance is absolutely paramount. Um, you can have tools which automate the tasks around compliance. So for example, if there's certain certification, which is needed before placement due, you need to make sure that that's in place. But when people get busy, you, you naturally forget things. And we've seen clients who are unable to put people into roles because the compliance hasn't been done in the right time. 
and therefore the placement hasn't been hasn't been fulfilled and therefore they haven't been able to keep their client happy and they haven't been able to bill and get revenue back into the business. So with automation tools, think about where you may have leaks and where you want to tighten that up. So again, the, around the risk area for us, it's compliance. It's coming up more and more that you don't, people don't want to be relying on, on a team to be managing an Excel spreadsheet, the one technology and automation to keep themselves competitive in the marketplace, maximize what they can do and take off that manual pressure from, from their own respective teams. There's a big theme here, isn't there, Neil, which is about technology being really vital to, um, to the industry, to improving productivity. But, you know, as you've set out and, and as target recruiters, uh, have set out periodically in other work that you've done, but also as, um, um, uh, as we've set out in our, uh, uh, tech enabled humanity works in July. And um, so much of this is about seeing the tech spend as a jigsaw piece in the wider picture of your business. So linked to the business strategy, linked into the workflows for consultants, linked into the adoption uh, for con consultants and making sure that, you know, the system is seen as effective by the users of it and therefore it is used by the users of it. All of this speaks to, I suspect, a challenge to our industry and every industry um, to make this a, a sort of MD CEO discussion, not a chief technology officer IT discussion. Um, and and making sure that it's focused on yeah the the market impact that that that's if I'm looking for a takeaway on our discussion today that's that's it isn't it? It is it is and I think because it's technology it does naturally fall to you know the, the chief technology officer um, or the people who are responsible typically for the systems and and what's what's across the organization, but I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that it, it needs to be agreed from the top and then cascade from there. I think those businesses who get it right is that the CTO may well, or somebody in a similar role may well be driving that change. They may well be doing the heavy lifting of researching what the right technology is in line with that business view, but then they get the buy-in from the MD, from the CEO. And then when you've got the, when you've got the senior leadership and the, you know, the head of the organization, who's then advocating for that change, that, that then cascades down into all the different organizations of the, all the different areas of the organization. And therefore the adoption is, is much, is, is higher and it's more consistent as well. So like that's where businesses do it well, instead of just rolling out a piece of tech. They get full buy-in from the top, and then that goes through to all, all the way through to the a daily user of the solution. And because it's come from the top, they understand why they're being asked to use a particular piece of tech to help them with the job. But that that's crucial for the buy-in. So it needs to be it needs to be adopted and understood by the by every tier in the organisation. 
Fabulous. That's a really great place to draw stumps for, for today, Neil, in terms of how we're thinking about tech. Um, you know, we really value the REC's partnership with Target Recruit. Um, uh, members can find uh, Target Recruit on the uh, business support, uh, business partner section of rec.uk.com. Uh, if people want to dig a bit deeper into uh, what you and the business do, obviously they can reach you through contact details on there. But uh, I think I think you're also at targetrecruit.co.uk. That's right, isn't it? That's correct. Yep. You can find us online. We're on LinkedIn. So if you would like to have a conversation, then please feel free to reach out. We'd love to love to have an intro and chat. Fantastic. Uh, Neil, thank you for so much for joining us on the podcast today. Pleasure. Lovely to be with you. And um, thank you very much, everybody, for, for tuning in. Well, that, and thank you to uh, all of you for joining uh, Neil and I on the podcast today. If you've enjoyed today's listen, there's some great recent episodes. If you want to dig a bit uh, deeper, I think uh, episode 14, Paul Sharp and Miles Lloyd of North Star People digging into uh, MSP and RPO and building that deeper relationship with clients uh, for residual uh, income is a fascinating listen. Uh, or if you want some insight into what we're doing around the country with Greg Savage in September, do uh, consider booking on for that. But episode 13 is the introduction to uh, Greg's new book, Recruit the Savage Way, which is at the core of the masterclass. And I'll look forward to seeing some of you out and about around the country uh, come uh, September. Thank you again to Neil and thank you to all of you for joining us on this episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away some valuable thoughts from this discussion. If you'd like to hear more, head to rec.uk.com forward slash talking recruitment or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Talking Recruitment to find us.